Welcome to Inside the OC, a podcast about the world's largest participatory sporting event, the United States Bowling Congress Open Championships. Join Matt Cannizzaro and Aaron Smith as they talk to some of the greatest names in the history of the tournament. The Eagles are ready. Let's take flight. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Inside the OC podcast. My name is Matt Canazaro, and we are ready for a very energetic episode today here on Bowl TV. Uh, let's bring in my co-host for today. Uh, we're going to have a, a brief introduction, then I have a feeling that we're just going to want to sit back and enjoy what today's guest has to offer. Aaron Smith, welcome back to Inside the OC. How are you today? Doing excellent, Matt. Uh, yeah, I'm excited for this episode. We had a Chance to uh, chat for a little bit with our uh, special guest for today. And yeah, the energy is going to be up. I like it. I'm motivated. I'm ready to go. We're going to talk Nuggets basketball, all this cool stuff. Uh, maybe a little bowling in there. But uh, no, no, it should be awesome. Uh, Sean Lee, a uh, great ambassador for the sport. There's a, a, a ton helping build a future for the sport as well. And uh, yeah, he's pretty good at the bowling too. Uh, pretty successful career at the OC. So definitely looking forward to uh, learning a little bit more and uh yeah being motivated well sir you had me at nuggets absolutely uh, i'm ready for this one and uh sean absolutely was ready for today's episode uh he was logged in before us and uh, that never happens we get here early we try to get situated uh, he was in ready to go he's got the sweet backdrop going uh, and he is he was firing off already this morning he is uh, he is definitely going to motivate us uh, i talked to him the other day as we were getting ready for the show just trying to catch up a little bit from over the years uh, and then it was workout time. So uh, at that point, I was so fired up, Tony Horton couldn't keep up with me. Uh, and that is how this whole day is going to go. Uh, for the folks at home, uh, it's not going to be a volume issue by any means. Uh, Sean is just, uh, he is that fired up, and we, we can't control the fact that, uh, that we're not quite there yet. He will get us there. Uh, he's the guy you bring in to your all-staff meeting to get your staff ready to go. He is the Energizer Buddy. He is a virtual energy drink. He is your pre-workout. Here he comes. Sean Lee, welcome to Inside the OC. Hey, what is up? Hello, How good are we today. Doing we're better now. Doing hey, great and going to get better. Absolutely. We're in the Mile High City and we're already doing work already. We're we're ready to get this thing going. So, Sean, you are uh, you are in the Denver area as uh, as we all just mentioned, um, and uh, some some wild times in 2020 out there. You've got, uh, of course. The uniqueness already of the year, snowfall, basketball, just so many things happening uh, that are uncharacteristic of uh, the late summer, early fall of 2020. Mm -hmm. uh, for those folks who don't know who Sean Lee is, and, and hopefully uh, everybody should, uh, but you've had some great success uh, with us at the Open Championships and the Bowler's Journal Championships and a 300 game at the OC in 2008. One of my favorite moments in my career at the Open Championships. You had a Bowler's Journal 300 in 2013. We've got some video of that. And then you're part of a, a very significant group in tournament history for a couple of years there as well, the Lodge Lanes crew. Uh, so we'll talk about that and, and all the things uh, OC. Uh, but first, we're going to get caught up with life for you in Colorado uh, at 10 Back Outfitters and, and everything that you do for the sport and do there uh, and just what 2020 has been like uh, for you in the bowling world and, and Colorado especially. Well, uh, woo! Let me take you back for a minute. It uh, first of all, thank you. Um, when you when you reached out to me and messaged me, I had to 
kind of do a double take to my phone as you know, I've been watching the other podcasts and whatnot and what you guys have done and created for our sport and the platform is awesome. Uh, I, I've never been the one to say, Oh, you, you didn't do it like this. You should have done it like that. How about we just congratulate them for contributing to the sport of bowling and trying to make something out of this mess that we have in front of us right now that you can't control by the way. Uh, so thank you. Thank you. My thank family you. thanks me. Thanks you. My, my, my children, thank you. And they don't even know it. My daughter, my, my <laughs> kids are excited. You know, we did our, our, our test stream and I said, Hey, Moo Moo, bud, come here for a second. And this is Mr. Canizaro. We're going to do this, this video deal. And, and I told them, I said, cause they're in school right now. They've got uh, three days off, two days on. And I said, well, why don't you tell your teachers, Hey, my dad's on a live stream and see if they can give you a brain break or something like that. You can just get a break from class and you can tune into bowl TV. We'll make everybody bowlers because of it or something. So, um, 2020 has been interesting. Um, let me just go back for a minute. It, my personal journey changed quite a bit. Uh, my personal life changed. Our, our, we had to uh, re reinvent some things a little bit. And as far as 10 back bowling goes, I, I was pretty removed there for, for a minute. So uh, I've got to give props to my crew, my, my star players at 10 back bowling outfitters, Marianne Griffin, Mason Moore, Morgan Moore. Uh, they've really held things down for me as I've tried to figure out this new journey uh, in, in my life. Um, getting settled in to that is always a new phase and you take that phase on and sometimes it becomes a little emotional, but you got to take a step back and say, wait a second, it's supposed to happen. I, I was, I, I got an email at DeAndre Asbay. She's doing a ton of great mental game things. And so I get her emails and it, and it was talking about her, her, the narrative, right? And so you always wonder, what is your narrative? You're in it. You're in your story right now. And it's all depending on how you, how you choose to write your story. Yeah, you can just kind of coast through life, but it's how you want to write your story. So, Tim Back is, uh, is Tim Back is fine. He asked me, "Are you doing okay?" Yeah, yeah, we're doing all right. Wait a second, we're fine. Tim Back is fine. We're survivors. Human beings are resilient. Bowlers have, have survived worse, and pro shop owners are going to survive worse. And this is it. But we're good. We're going to weather the storm. Sure, we had to revamp some things with our inventory. Um, we've got to market some things a little bit differently. We've got to be more attentive to what we're doing when the customer comes in. Not that we don't do that now, but we've really got to put our nose to the grind and, and get it done. But bowling is going to resume and that's going to be fine. Tournaments are going to be fine. We just need to weather the storm and kind of get away from the emotional jargon that kind of allows us to wallow in our own stuff that we don't want to wallow in. Um, the next phase for Tim back is hopefully going to not hopefully, you know, we, we turn these dreams into reality. Um, it's going to be a training center. And uh, I think now is the, is the correct time uh, to do that. So we're in the early stages of getting a lot of things together. I've got some personal friends of mine that I've been fortunate enough to be in their life and just receive information from them and what it takes Let's get this PowerPoint presentation. This is what you're going to need to understand for commercial real estate. Here, what's the best city to, to, to put it in? The business model doesn't fail if you have the service. If you believe in it and if you believe in helping people, the business model is not going to fail. You know, I often wonder how our store has been this successful for so long and it's service. And if you can take care of human beings, I don't care if it's selling peanuts or Lamborghinis, you're going to survive. There's some that just 
don't really understand that. And and that's fine. They'll, they'll figure it out. But um, Tim back is here and we're doing things. Well, now at 10 back, uh, what are some of the, the key things that, that you like to focus on uh, your USBC silver coach? So obviously the teaching of the game, very important to you uh, and the motivation part of it, uh, but also a, a pretty solid background in the equipment side of things, uh, really a full service operation. Uh, but what are some of the specialties? What are some of your specialties uh, and some of the things that maybe how have they changed in 2020? How have you had to adapt uh, to be able to continue servicing those bowlers uh, in, in the best way possible? Previous to Coke, our specialty, we need to get you on the lanes. The conversation is going to lead to the things that sometimes customers can't articulate. Not every bowler is going to have the professional lingo and know, hey, it's my pitch, it's this, it's that. You've really got to pay attention to detail when the customer's on the lanes. And a lot of times, you know, hey, I need a new ball and I, I need it to go real long and flip real hard. And in some cases, they need the ball to slow down. But we don't really know that. And, and if there's lanes available and we have our pro shop pair you know, or the pair that we're doing lessons on, hey, let's get you out in the lanes and let's take a peek here for a second. Oh, and also I noticed that you're dropping the ball. Those questions and not asking questions that uh, uh, would make them feel belittled. Or, I mean, people have to remember it's already the word pro shop. So oftentimes people um, are, are very afraid to ask questions and going without us already being intimidated. Our, we have an open door policy. And when the center's open, our door's wide open. It's got to be. And when you come in, we need, we need to let you know that we see you. It's got to be service. It's uh, closed mouth and it's open ears and it's taking care of your needs. It's also being careful not to over-service and give them something that they don't need. And taking care of the customer, I always say, if you're providing the best service, then they will bring their grandmother to see you. If you're not providing good service, then why would they want to bring a family member to see you? So it's got to be over the top. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's the, the, the first time bowler, new ball coming in, which is the most important to our sport. Oftentimes, pro shop owners, people that are in positions of power in the sport of bowling often forget they are the ones that are going to set the tone for the rest of that bowler's bowling existence. You have a choice to make at that point, to make it about you or to make it about them and give them the best bowling experience that you possibly can. So once we get them on the lanes, uh, then, I, then I often ask for permission. You, you have to ask for permission before you walk up to someone and say, hey, you're dropping your shoulder or you're, you, yeah, I noticed you're falling off of every shot. And some people don't want that information. So you need to kind of be a chameleon. And so I tell the guys at Timback, you, you've got to be prepared for everything that comes in the door. I also say, leave your personal stuff at home. And when you come to Timback, we're clear minded and we are ready to do work every single day, every day. Now, Sean, part of your personal journey, your travels, uh, have taken you through one of the country's biggest bowling cities, uh, and you got to work some with uh, some great minds in bowling, and, and it no doubt shaped you uh, and your direction and your career a little bit. Uh, but you spent some time at the University of Nebraska, and that's something that I did not know and and learned during this uh, podcast process. Uh, but certainly, folks, leaving Lincoln and having been part of what happens there. Uh, with the Huskers and and just the, the talented coaching staff, um, talk about that experience. You said it was it was it might have been brief, but it was valuable. Uh, but tell us kind of how that helped shape your bowling future. So leading up to 
that uh, I was just a young man bowling everything that I could and trying to find his place in life. Not really sure what I was doing, but raising the, the right pedigree at, at Bowler Lanes. And um, one day I'm like, I want to go bowl for the University of Nebraska. I've always been of the mindset that you know, my grandfather said, you can do anything you put your mind to. So what, what's the worst thing that happened? They're going to say no. Okay. So I send this, this VHS tape to Bill Straub and uh, I didn't have a cell phone at the time or even a pager. I think the reference number that I put down on the information was the phone number to Bull Aurora, the bowling center that I, that I worked in at the time. And I get this phone call six months later. Sean Lee, this is Bill Straub from the University of Nebraska. You know, that deep commanding voice. I had never met this man. I didn't know that he was 19 feet tall because that's what I look at. And that's how you feel like this, this presence is very commanding. And uh, he says, yes, we'd, we'd like you to come out to our to our school. And um, I, long story short, I ended up in Lincoln. And the, the problem is I was not ready for school, but didn't know that I wasn't ready for school. Uh, also, I didn't have the um, uh, some of the the dialogue, the mental fortitude, and some of the things that I needed. That you know, the the victim attitude was there. You, you go and bowl, and you're not automatically a part of the cool kids club. Or what you thought was, you know, these myths that you create in your mind, and the experience wasn't what I could have made of it. I could have made it so much more, but I, I was I was searching in, in life at that time. Um, the, the people that I, that I came up, Paul Klimpa, Bill Straub, um, it's immeasurable, right? And the things that I, that I, that I learned, um, I can remember DeAndre Asbaby and, uh, Chris Loeschetter and some of the, the players that came through as that second year when I was there, I bowled briefly with the guys, Adam Carwell, David Spencer, uh, a little bit Derek Oaf and some of the guys. And, just tons of talent and the relationships that you create and traveling around. So I got to experience that uh, for a couple of semesters. Um, and, and it was, it was short lived because I just wasn't the, the book savvy uh, individual and unfortunately couldn't keep my grades up. And, and so that when you don't, when you don't have the grades, you're just, you're not going to bowl. And that, and that's the deal. Um, so that, that experience uh, was a little short lived, but it, it was one that is definitely what, what sticks in the, in the back of the head. Uh, there's some life lessons there. And some relationships that were created that are still Chad Oaks and, and some of the other guys we keep contacting on Facebook, which I think is, is a great social platform to be able to do that. And it's really neat to see these guys that you met that came in as youngsters. I was much older. I was already in the Navy at one point and had already then went to college. I was the, the old man, so to speak, uh, out there bowling. And uh, to see these the young ladies and young men come in as teenagers, uh, Shannon Pulhowski before any of the, you know, I just to see to see it morph into what it is now, it's like, wow, that's pretty, pretty awesome. So just to kind of be a part of that and be in their presence at, at that point was really, really amazing. That's uh, some excellent points there, Sean. And, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of intrigued now. You talked about, you know, kind of the mentality going in and, uh, you know, trying, trying to overcome some of that, you know, now, you know, we talked about at the beginning of the show, just, you know, your positivity, uh, the way you motivate, do work, all that good stuff. You know, how big of a lesson was that in kind of getting you to where you're at now? Huge, huge. I didn't realize how much of an, a victim I was acting like, you know, it, 
and I try to tell our junior bowlers now and, and the young ladies and young men that are going on and, and, and bowling collegiately now and that have gone on and done that, Mason Morgan, I, I try to give them what I learned and articulate that in a way that they can understand it and wake them up and realize you can only control what you can control. Make the best of your situation. But let's not create these myths of, well, I don't think this person likes me and what if, and they didn't talk to me and that's distraction. Are you trying to get to a peak state of mind? Are, are, are you trying to get to a peak level? Let's train your mind and your body how to get to a peak level by staying on task. And so that those experiences helped me a ton. A very good friend of mine, one of my uh, my best friends, Jeff Bussery, says to me at one point, we're bowling one, just one of the Open Championship experiences. And um, he says to me, why do you give the bowling pin so much empathy? Do you not believe that you deserve to be here? Do you not believe that we asked you to bowl because you're the last bowler on planet Earth to be a part of this group? So for a very long time, I was even you're, you get to be a part of these different things, but you would still question yourself: well, Am I good enough? And, and am I am I going to be okay? Stop! Time out. It's going to be just fine. Go out and provide to the group and contribute. You're going to be okay. So it, it takes a while to go through those things, and you have to go through those experiences. To, wild, to, to land you where you're going to be. And we're not there yet. We haven't done anything yet. We've done a few things. We've scratched the surface, but we still got work to do. Well, now, do work is is the mantra. And, and That's right. it is it is it is Sean Lee. Uh, tell us about that, where that came from, and and how you use that uh, on a daily basis, really, to uh, to motivate folks and, and truly what that means by definition to you uh, or in the bigger picture. Uh, it starts as uh, it starts with family. Um, I wanted to create something. Tim Black Bowling Outfitter started from from Bedrock Bowling, and it started from other things well before those times. And um, I did not want to plagiarize our sport. Sean Lee wanted to find a way to create his own narrative and his own thing in the sport of bowling. And bring something special and contribute. I did a video about what do work meant to me. And it starts at the home. It starts with family. If you're a father, it's, it starts with your work ethic. It starts with how you get up. I don't care if you're the best custodian. You clean the floor is the best, right? Appreciate everything that you do. I can remember growing up in bowling centers, and, you know, over the summer, there's always the get the toothbrush out and clean around the set tiers, you know, the old metal uh, areas and do all those things and appreciate that and embrace it. So do work has so much into it. And then we, as we tied in the sport of bowling, social media has allowed our bowling industry, in my opinion, to become very soft and not soft as far as gender. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the work ethic. I'm talking about honoring yourself, honoring authority, honoring the people that have done this before you and geeking out about it. Bowlers don't have practice routines anymore. They're not sitting back making notes about how to, how to become better mentally and physically. They're not taking care of their diet. The, the few that are still on top are doing those things. They were raised with that pedigree. It's inside of them. To me, do work is I'm going to be at the store 15 minutes early, right? I'm going to go in as early as I need to. I'm going to stay as late as I need to. And I probably won't eat. And I'm probably going to take these lessons because I'm poor with time management. Absolutely. Sometimes I have an issue following through. Number one, you got to own your faults. 
So then you got to think about the things that you're good at and those faults over here. If you want to get to a peak level, begin to work on those things, right? I'm going to schedule these lessons back to back to back to back because that's due work. And if I'm going to contribute to our sport, then that, that's the way that Sean Lee's going to do it. I, you know, I hate to see a, a head in the, in the chest. I've been that guy. I've been that person. And so you can feel those things and you can empathize with people. My journey was not, I'm the nursery kid and my entire family bold. And I, I grew up in my first bowling ball. I threw a shot at two years old. That, that's not my story. And so it took me a very long time to get away from the insecurity of who I really was and be okay with my journey and what my story was and owning that. So do work is loving yourself. Do work is taking the mask off. I did a video series a while back as I was going through my own personal journey. And I said, look, if you want to be the best league bowler, if you are trying to aspire to go on tour or what have you, you want to be the best father, whatever, the best husband, the best wife, take your mask off and stop hiding yourself. So it starts with loving yourself, right? It starts with taking care of yourself internally. And then it goes to trying to give yourself to everybody else. If you don't take care of you, well, then Matt, how are you going to take care of Aaron? How are you going to take care of Matt? That's true, Matt. You need to take care of me. So That's right. And I, and I could tell that with the, the, the cast, you guys weren't saying anything at all. I was really worried about this podcast and I'm worried about your relationship. So we'll talk about that later, but um, you know, <laughs> you know, you, you got to take the mask off and do work to me is owning yourself. And if you really want something, then it can't just be when it suits you. It can't be at 10 back just when, when we're doing well and, and let's just go post something. You've got to do work when we're not doing well. You've got to weather the storm uh, when it's not tax season. You've got to weather the storm when it's not Christmas season. You've got to weather the storm when it's the summertime. Well, what are you going to do to keep business flowing? Well, let's put a summer league on the floor. Let's create a tournament. Let's let's try this. Let's try and if it's and if it works great, let's then let's make it better. To me, that's doing work. It's waking up and understanding that life is worth living, and we need to live up here. Because if you're living down here and you're you're trying to give back to our sport. I don't know that anyone's going to want to be engaged with that. Yeah, see, now so, it makes sense why you live in the Mile High City. Yes, man. That's right. So then we go to the other states. I've already got my oxygen levels already up. <laughs> uh, Sean, before we uh, kind of move on, there's a uh, comment in the chat here I'm going to throw up on the screen from uh, one of our friends and yours as well, uh, good old CJ, Chris Johnson. Yes, sir. Uh, what a great guy. Sean helps so many in his community learn the sport of bowling. A lot of people recognize the top guys on tour, uh, but you should remember this guy and all he does for his bowlers. So that's uh, pretty awesome. And, you know, that's that's definitely what we're seeing so far. And uh, Thank you, Chris, my man. And I know you have a, uh, a special win under your belt yes. that, uh, that involved him as well. Yeah, uh, Mexico Open, fourth annual. Uh, and uh, I believe one of the only, you know, televised events um, there are certain people that come into your life that put you in front of certain things. So one, it's Harvey Johnson, and it's probably others well before then. It's Jeff Ussery, it's Dave Watka, and all the different things that led up to that. And even before that, it's Mike Diaz and, and uh, Bill Shepard, uh, may he rest in peace. And all these people that you don't realize is, is allowing you to take this journey and this path. Um, made the finals and, and Chris Johnson, the, the previous year, I believe was PBA rookie of the year. 
Steve Klompkin was in that that uh, in that stepladder. Paul Enright. Um, that was special. Leading up to that, I was still a victim. I, a, a very good friend of mine, Kevin Tabron, we drove out to that that event together. My wife at the time, and uh, and she was pregnant with my daughter, and we drove out there in my Tahoe from 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 Colorado, and go out to go bowl this tournament, and mm-hmm. not really understanding how how big it was, and wow, and what and what it is now. And um, I can remember after the event driving home and you get this big, huge check, right? We put this thing in the Tahoe and I think I had it on top of my head trying to fit it inside the, the Tahoe driving home. And Kevin Tabron says, can you stop whining now? Can you, you, you won something big. There's other things that I'd won, but can you stop whining now and acting like a victim? And I wasn't ready to receive that information yet. I'm like, well, no, let me just wait and see what adversity comes my way, you know, right, mentally. But um, that was... Um, it's not about stepping on someone else's toes. It's not about, it's about being in, in that position to embrace that moment. I had this little pocket uh, book with me by Dean Hennitz. And at the time, between frames, all I kept saying was these personal affirmations. I'm going to strive through some adversity and all these different things that I kept saying to myself. And what I understood about that, looking back at it now, is I kept myself the task at hand. I kept myself focused on what was important, not the distraction of I'm nervous. Uh, it must be a garden hose. I'm scared, right? It, it, it's a snake or whatever it is. It's the task at hand. And I realized that peak levels, peak states of mind, that's how they behave. They're not concerned with the, the, the drama. I consider it uh, gratitude to be in that top five. I mean, that was, a, that was awesome. And since we have it, let's, uh, let's show a quick clip of, uh, Oh my goodness! Me in two thousand seven. Yes, sir. Wow, look at that kid. His waist size was definitely a thirty-six at that time. Oh, that's pretty though. Hmm. I had a little bit of a hairline at that time too. Now, not so much. <laughs> but Sean, I only watched that. Previous strikes. I don't know what you do here. Hopefully, it's good. Oh, get their message. Yeah, I think we, we were good though at that time. So, um, I think the match was already in in hand. And I, I can remember it. It's not as vis, as vivid as I'd like it to be. But um, when when people carry around resentment and they carry these things in their heart, they believe that. Only the bad things happen to them. Um, I'm sure at that point I was, yes, finally I got a break. Uh, I finally, I can, I, I'm, I'm accepted. Someone's going to think I'm a good bowler now. And that just goes to show you, I still wasn't where I needed to be mentally. I still wasn't owning and loving myself enough. And as these things uh, over the years changed, I had to realize I was kind of fighting this other thing that, it's giving back to people. I would always be in a bowling center before a tournament defeated. As I was always worried about, well, I don't want to make, make, make myself look bad in the lanes. I, I want to do this or do that. And like, Wait a second. You got to start loving yourself here. We got to start doing, doing work. And when I started focusing on what was important and what my role really is and the gratitude that I have, man, I started to breathe better. I started to sleep better. I stopped worrying about all the distractions. And things really started to make sense to me. 
now that 2007 New Mexico Open, that was right around the time that uh, things started moving for you at the Open Championships yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, so we'll transition into the OC career now. Uh, that started for you back in 1997, around the Nebraska time, I would imagine, just uh, figuring out your timeline of, of the folks you mentioned earlier. Uh, mm -hmm. And then a short break until 2002. We saw you semi-regularly at that point uh, with some some local bowlers some some top Colorado names. So uh, you didn't just show up at the OC. You were there with, with some, some contenders and some possibilities uh, and had a chance to experience the event for, for what it was, which is, uh, you know, an amazing display of camaraderie and, and just a, a big stage for you. Uh, tell us about those first years, uh, and then we'll get into next the 300 in 2008, and then, of course, uh, the Lodge Lanes group uh, that has put you in the spotlight in recent years. Absolutely. Uh, Huntsville, Alabama, what, 1997, uh, with, I think we had these purple shirts on and, you know, didn't even know what I was doing, but a group of guys locally asked me to come out and, and do some bowling and really didn't even know what, you know, the open championships was and USBCs and, um, to get through that and kind of coast along bowling with my buddies here from, from the state that you grew up bowling juniors with. And, even at that time, I, I still really didn't understand the importance of this tournament. Um, I just looked at it as just this bigger state tournament deal. And we're going to travel and we get a weekend away and uh, maybe there's some side action or something, but still didn't really understand the importance of it. When I started to get involved with um, Jason Milligan, who, who had contacted me, and John Deso and Steve Smith and uh, some of those guys in the California area, um, that's when Jason was still living in California. I'm like, who? And I knew him as a, as a staffer. Um, that was one of the first groups that I bowled with that was like, whoa, th this is a big deal. And we had a, a ton of a ton of success. Um, and I then can remember working a bowl expo event. Uh, I believe we were in Texas. Um, and it was an Ebonite showcase. And we're doing the, the big demo. Uh, we must have been like on an off break or something, and we're in the the meeting room area there, and um, it's John Gaines and uh, myself and Jeff Usry, and um, randomly having conversation. John says, "Hey, um, who, who are you bowling the um, USBCs with?" Um, like I think I'm bowling with you know these guys over here, and um, that particular team. You know, there were some transitions; people were moving in and out of state and whatnot, and. Um, I decided to to join their group. Um, and again, still didn't really understand the importance. When I we met up in Mississippi to have a practice session, actually, let me go back. We started trading emails, John Janowitz, uh, myself, Usri, John Gaines, um, Vernon Peterson, uh, Mitch Jabinski. Um, I'm like, wait a second, like this is this is a big deal. I knew the Open Championships was extremely important to history, the camaraderie, this, just the togetherness, right? But, whoa, what, what have I got myself into here? And for a small time there, I, I still wasn't believing that I was part of the group. And I wasn't thinking that. But I just wasn't getting out of my own way. And um, we met up in Mississippi. And I knew it was about business. Um, it was a different role. And I begin to be a sponge, writing things down, understanding uh, even the levels of don't bring that Avalon, please, to this event. <laughs> please don't chew the lanes. I 
learn more about lane play and what my eyes were seeing, the dialogue in those first couple years. And I just wanted to be a part of that more and more and more and more. Um, that was got that shape that shaped me on the lanes that talk about being able to pry a shot off to be in that group and the conversations though the things that people don't see the emails the conversations when you get to the event in the hotel room at dinner and being able to leave whatever ego you think you had at home about whatever local win or national win it is not about that I can remember one of the most important things John Gaines said to me. He said, look, you can be a part of this group, number one, if you are not here for brackets. If you're here for brackets, this group is not for you. If you are that guy that's going to be involved in brackets and you come out of the gate, maybe that game one isn't what you wanted, and all of a sudden you're checked out from the group, this group isn't for you. So there's a lot of things that I had to understand about being a part of this group and being ready. If you weren't going to be mentally and physically prepared, you weren't going to bowl in this group. And for whatever reason, I still couldn't find board five in practice. Uh, I'm still struggling to find that at times, but uh, uh, I think I found it, John, if he's listening. Um, most memorable moment was having the front 10, um, I believe it was on, on the live stream, and John comes up to me, says, I'm going to need you to make a ball change. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. But every team has a leader. And, and we're coachable and teachable. When you've got to be a listener, okay, no problem. I'm going to need you to pick up that ball and throw it in that spot. I was the leadoff. Happened to be the leadoff in college. The leadoff is that guy. We're bringing that energy. The leadoff is, is we're going to see what these lanes are doing. We're going to make this ball change. It wasn't about shooting 300. That let me know right there. It was not about my personal journey. It was about the journey of the group. It was about the journey of the other nine guys that are sitting in that settee area. And the other nine guys are going to get feedback from what my ball is doing. So it wasn't about shooting 300. It wasn't about your own personal success. It was about the group's success. So I knew right there, this is different. This is really different, and we need to embrace this moment. I don't know. I think I got eight or something like that, four nine or whatever it was. But um, that let me know right there that this is this is a big deal. Well, that was a, actually a perfect segue because you took us over here when we were going over here. Right. Uh, we're gonna dial it back. We're gonna go back to two thousand and eight first. Uh, so the fact that you didn't shoot three hundred in the year that you're mentioning. Uh, let's go back and talk about the year that you did. You already got it out of the way. It was, it was something you experienced and we experienced. Uh, so the second time around, you know, it's okay. You're all about the team at that point. Uh, I look forward to talking about Gaines and Janowitz and Ussery and, and uh, all of that for you started in 2012. Uh, but a couple of years back, you mentioned uh, the, the likes of the, the Colorado guys, Paul Stoltz, uh, and then transitioning to Dave Watka and some of the Ebonite guys. Uh, mm -hmm. And then Jason Milligan, Steve Smith. So in that window of time, uh, you showed up at our venue in Albuquerque. Uh, we didn't know who Sean Lee was. It was still uh, for us. It was it was about to happen. We didn't know that. This is one of my all-time favorite USBC stories. That's why we're we're definitely circling back. 
I feel personally, while it was a, a momentous day for you and, and your career and, and your forever celebrity at the Open Championships, I do feel that potentially uh, your 300 at the OC uh, saved my career at the Open Championships. So uh, we're just going to tell that story now, and then uh, and then we'll move on to, to the, the heart of your career in recent years. Uh, but 2008 was the time of the transition of USBC from Milwaukee to Texas. We knew we were already moving the whole organization. Uh, we had some personnel changes. Some folks were leaving. Some were coming in. Uh, some guys got hired uh, from Texas uh, to take the lead on the transition. Uh, two of those guys uh, were a, a young man from, from Fox News Station, Jason Overstreet, uh, and an ESPN guy, Pete Treadwell. Uh, and they were lifelong bowlers, loved the sport, uh, wanted to be a part of it and, and do work and move it forward with us uh, in our new location. Uh, they came to the Open Championships. They came to visit. They wanted to see what the event was all about, how it was looking. They wanted to meet us and see what daily life was like for us. And we talked about um, you know, the future of, of our careers, where we were headed, uh, where we fit in. Uh, and at that point, I felt almost like I was defending my role at the Open Championships. Like, Why is it important for me to be here? Why do I want to be here? What can I contribute to the sport by being at this event and sharing the daily news from the links? But the OC is one of those things. It's hard to understand sometimes unless you experience it. Uh, so to tell them the story over the phone, to tell them what it means to me and how important it is to be there in the history and uh, just the whole the, the story event itself, uh, you have to be there. They were there. Uh, and then we get the call. Front seven, lane whatever. Okay. So we get ready. We're looking at the lane viewer. Uh, front eight. And so it's time to go out there. This is where we want to know. Everybody wants to know. Is there going to be a 300 today? Uh, it's a big deal. And in 2008, it's the pre-video era or kind of a, a window of non-video opportunities, I guess, because in the old days, there was the big cameras and the VHS tapes, and then eventually it was the little digital cameras and the cell phones. Somehow we found this small window of time where it just wasn't a thing. Uh, but you were out there, you were doing what you do, and you got the 300. And you went absolutely crazy on the lanes. It was in the team event. The place was full. We were wrapping things up. Uh, you know, we were showcasing this great event to, to these two gentlemen who are going to be helping us lead USBC. Uh, and then they see this. And Sean Lee is the energetic Sean Lee, if you can imagine it. It's Kirk Gibson at the World Series. It's every top sporting moment that you can think of. It's John Elway. It's whatever. It's all happening. You are that guy on the lanes. Uh, and it was awesome to see. I wish we had it on video. Uh, and then the interview, the conversation, the paperwork, the photos, everything was equally as intense and exciting. And we brought you back into the office. We asked the questions. The volume never came down. Like It was right. total excitement the entire time. Uh, they were there on the other side of the wall, I believe, able to hear this interview happening. Uh, they were able to hear how much this experience meant to you, uh, what it meant to become part of the tournament history. Uh, they saw it. They experienced that part of it. Uh, they saw the process, uh, and then I just feel like you just you did so much that day uh, for all of us, uh, and and then of course went down as part of tournament history, uh, forever celebrity announced every year because of that, uh, and then that wasn't even I would say like the the real cool parts of your career where you mentioned you know getting to understand the event more and the prestige and the team environment, but you had that personal success and that experience, which I'm sure no doubt helped you get to where you ended up. Uh, in 2012 with the John Keynes and the Lazlane's crew and a, and a whole new education 
in bowling. But take us back to 2008 uh, and describe from your perspective uh, that 300 and what it meant to you and if you even understood at that point what you had just accomplished on the biggest stage in bowling. Uh, first of all, the group that I was with, having an opportunity to bowl with Paul Stoles, Amy Stoles, who I want to say right when the women's series was being created, mm-hmm. it was either right before she went out and was just running, running things over and really was taking charge because she's a killer on the lanes. A girl can play my goodness. Uh, and I was working for Paul at Rocky Mountain Bowling Supply at, um, at uh, Bolero Park Meadows or what, what have you. Um, bowling with Dan Patterson, Brandon Baird, Scott Pohl, just, just to name a few of the guys there. And not even really understanding how good those guys were, the Team USAs. And I'd seen these guys at Mega Bucks and different things. And I'm like, bowl with Dan Patterson and Scott Pohl and Brandon Baird. And some of these guys that were at, you know really good levels of their, their time uh, as bowlers. And, um, I can remember, like, I knew the I knew the 300 was important. I knew the stage was important, but no, I did not understand even then just the, the, the importance of the event and to be able to do that at the event. And I'm completely geeked up like that. Like, I love this that much. And I can remember the energy, man. I can remember. I can remember hugging Paul and Amy, like squeezing them and just, oh, let's go. And, and you often wonder how you get put in front of these positions. And then, of course, later on in life, and you and I are crossing paths. And you always said to me, you, you saved my job. Like, what are you talking about? Right. And God, I shot 300. You see this all the time. And then you explaining the story to me, like in full detail and how, you know, the transition you know, from Milwaukee to Texas. And there were some layoffs happening at that time and, and not really certain what was going to happen with your employment and whatnot. And um, so you often wonder how you get put in front of people, these different paths and journeys that we have in life. That's very important to me. And I don't take that lightly. And to be able to be a part of your journey, that's, that's gratitude. Um, I appreciate it. I don't know if Aaron does, but I certainly, I appreciate it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, that was it all it all comes full to <laughs> I can remember you interviewing me in the room there and I, and I can remember people being in the room didn't know who these people were and clearly they're in there and part of this interview and then of course you telling me or telling them after I leave the room that's why we need to be here and but again not knowing that you never know it's always a bigger picture see it's never about us it's a bigger picture but at the time when you don't understand it you don't know that so you make everything about you you know it, Thank you. Uh, I, I appreciate being yeah. a part of that, uh, of that journey. That, that was fun. That, man, that was a, that was a blast. Well, and I'm, those things give you strength to go out and do more. So, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. All, all, all good. I, I appreciate yeah. it as well. And, uh, and that of course, uh, put you on the radar every year for the, the rest of your career. Uh, and then uh, we get to the point now where you met up with Gaines and us three and, uh, for John Gaines, who we've had on inside the OC, uh, his legacy at the OC goes back decades, uh, really into the 1990s for him. But before that, for the Lodge Lanes name, Bob Gorky and, and, and his mentors uh, on the tournament lanes. And so uh, it's a foundation of prestige and what the event means. And you described it perfectly. 
the team environment, everything's for the team, and the preparation begins really when you say goodbye from one year going home, uh, and you're already getting ready for the next year. Uh, and 2012 is where that happened for you. Uh, I remember being with you guys on the showcase lanes for your practice session. Uh, it was it was business, always business uh, with that group. And then uh, you learned a lot. You learned quickly. Uh, and then 2013, uh, really, and even 2012, whether it was uh, the nerves or the excitement or whatever it was, but you had a phenomenal year on a very tough lane condition. We don't want to overlook 2012, your debut with those guys, 737 in the team event, 2082. Uh, overall, your best all events total at the OC. Uh, so if you were there to earn your place, if this was an audition, you absolutely did that. Uh, but before we talk about the big 2013, tell us about 2012 uh, and taking the lanes with those guys where anybody else potentially uh, knee-shakingly nervous uh, to be a part of this Lodge Lanes and a two-team group at that time. Uh, really, John trying to instill uh, all the things that he had learned in this group to make it about the group uh, and a group that eventually even grew more as he wanted to, to continue that legacy. But uh, to, to walk out to the lanes with them, uh, can you describe that for us, please? Deserving that, you be, you, that you're allowed to be here, you know, and believing that it's okay to be a part of the group and accept that. Not in a, it's, you know, it's all about you kind of way but saying, hey, these, these men asked you to go to battle with them, to leave something, right? To, to do what we love to do, to grind. This is the, this is the things that a lot of the bowlers don't see. A lot of the, uh, see the PBA tour things, but there's so many other things people don't see behind the scenes. And the, the conversation leading up to that, lots of conversations with Jeff and I, and lots of questions that were asked, what's my role? What am, what am I doing here? why was I picked to be a part of this group and understanding a lot of that was distraction. You're here because you, 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 you do have some talent and we'd like you to be a part of this group. And we believe that you fit the group and the group was, was handpicked and go back to you know, understanding Bob Goyke and Chris Barnes and some of the guys that bowled with gains for decades. It, it is strategy. The lane play is strategy. It wasn't a good, just a hodgepodge of guys that were just hooking the whole lane and just standing here and throwing it this way. It's guys that, that, are going to get it personally, you know, mentally and and physically uh, can do those things. And again, leave the leave the ego aside and know that you've got to be coachable and teachable to be a part of this group. There's so many conversations about lane play and how we're going to get to the top. And it was never about let's go chase the bird. Or we're eagle hunting. I, I can remember seeing guys on, on Facebook posting these different things that you don't go hunt a, a, an eagle. You, you don't, that's not what you do. You don't do that in life. It's against the law, right? <laughs> you, you may see an eagle go by and if it's in your grass, you may be a part of that, maybe, right? But there's strategies to these things to go into be a winner. And at the Open Championships, it's not you, it's the other nine guys. So it's collectively all of you. And everything that we do is about business. The conversation leading up to that, the practice regimen leading up to that, you've got to be physically sharp. You can't go there falling off shots. Because Gaines is going to know if you're sharp or not. And if you're not sharp, he's going to let you know. Maybe not even with words, but in that uh, <laughs> that big old tall John Gaines look that he gives you, that commanding kind of that Bill Straub look, he's going to let you know that if you're not prepared. And I can remember the first year being this blank canvas, like, I've got nothing to lose. I'm going to go out here and, and do work and give it all I got. Um, I think moving forward, I was – 
probably trying a little bit too much to impress and I got to do more. I got to do more. I, I, I don't want to be cut from the group. I, I got to do more. When really it wasn't about being cut from the group. It was about understanding that the guys are going to pick you up. You may have a bad look. You can't out execute bad ball motion. You, you may have a bad look, but it's your attitude. It's the willingness to, to not give up and to continue to do work is what's going to keep you with the group. And as you have success or personally or not have success, the group still has success if the attitude's there. And that's super important. So many other little lessons other than just being on the lanes that I learned from that group that helped me down the road. Now, Sean, uh, you know, I, I got to meet you for the first time in 2013. I know Matt definitely has a lot of questions about that. Uh, but that was really my first year working the Open Championships and kind of uh, getting to enjoy it for a full year, kind of get to see all the faces that uh, I've heard so much about. And uh, one of the most memorable moments uh, and terrifying moments of 2013 was meeting John Gaines for the first time <laughs> uh, for all the mannerisms you just described. So I, I, I'm curious, you know, what was your introduction to John Gaines like? When he was a district manager, it was a little different, but it was like a reintroduction. Now it's John Gaines with his bowling balls and we're on the lanes and there's no, we're, we don't, you don't be, a, you don't BS around John. What, when, when I got to be a part of his Hall of Fame induction, just being able to be in the room, I'm like, that, that's where I want to be. And I understood his work ethic. I understood John Janowitz's work ethic. And always the guys that, have, that are doing big things and continuing to do big things, I understand why they are about business. And when we we're on the lanes, it's not any other conversation other than the task at hand. Let's please not talk about what we're going to have for lunch later. Let's not talk about the the the, the highlight on Sports Center that everybody saw or the, the the game winner. We are here to do some work, and it's about business. If you are not um, thick-skinned enough, and you don't have the intestinal fortitude to be in that group and not take it personal it's going to be a bad day. You may not pry it off your hand. There's no drill bit that can be big enough to allow you to let it go. You have to understand that being a part of that group is complete professionalism. And that if we ask you to do something or, or hey, we need, we need you to be at board nine and you're at board 12, it's not a personal attack. It's we're trying to save the oil here. And we need, to, we need you to make quality shots. And, and, and that's the deal. It wouldn't be any different if if I had the opportunity to coach a, a Team USA squad. It really doesn't matter how many, how many titles you have. If it's a team event and I'm seeing the lanes from, from this vantage point, I need you to, to be at board six, then I'm going to need you to be at board six. And those are some of the things that I had to get over as personal challenges. So John taught me way more life lessons about not taking things personal than he probably even understands. He probably has a clue because there's been other guys like me that have come and gone. Right. But John teaches you other life lessons through being on the lanes. And it's about being mentally tough. You've got to be mentally prepared and be willing to deal with the worst. And how are you going to deal with it when you're in when you're in the thick of it? So <laughs> I will be forever indebted to him and that group. Now you started that 2012 event. I believe it was 256, 286. Uh, proving yourself right away. Had to feel pretty good. You had a great year overall, uh, but we didn't want to make it too easy on you. So 2013, we mixed it up a little bit. 
uh, and we went away from just the one lane condition uh, to now two challenging lane conditions. Uh, you're back for your second year with the group. Uh, maybe some of the pressure's off. Maybe there's more pressure because you have to live up to the performance you had in 2012. Uh, but again, for the Lodge Lanes group, it's not just two days of bowling. It's an experience that lasts the entire year, and that includes the dinners and the things that happen on site. It has to do with the Bowlers Journal Championships, the side event, uh, all of that. Uh, and in that particular year, the BJ uh, featured the lane conditions from doubles and singles at the open championship. So it's an opportunity to see the pattern before you were going to go to the lanes. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's a little mind boggling almost. Uh, I mean, it wasn't that far away in the venue, uh, but your performance was certainly uh, a bit of a roller coaster in that year, but you also got to be part of uh, an amazing moment. So uh, first take us to the Bowlers Journal championships uh, and the fact that you, you got to shine individually once again. Uh, with another 300 game that one we do have on video uh, it was a little more mellow because you know you're you're a superstar at this point um, so you have to you have to be calm for the audience a little bit but uh, still a whole lot of fun to to see that and be a part of that uh, and just uh, get to share that moment with you so uh, we'll talk about that we'll take a look at that uh, and then we'll talk about transitioning to the open champion just part of 2013. And I had never saw this until you send it to me. The, I've never even seen this. And and that is just me being the, the video ninja that I am. Yes, uh, you are. Let, letting you do your thing, staying out of the way, uh, but then telling the world about it through social media right after. Cell phone quality has gotten a little better since then. Yes. <laughs> there it is, the 300 at the OC and the BJ. A very short list of gentlemen uh, who have been able to do that. You had a great overall singles performance uh, at that Bullish Journal as well. Um, has to feel pretty good to uh, to come in, and again, uh, it was a roller coaster a little bit for you in 2013. But one potentially offsets some parts of the other. Uh, tell us about that moment, and then we'll talk about the team event at the Open Championships. So you know, every year we we bowl the the Bowlers Journal, and it was always to, to get loose. And of course, that particular year, it was to really see you know what the pattern was doing, and and um, leading up to our own individual practice session and whatnot. Um, although we, we always go into it and we're just, we're just, we're here to get a look, you know, we're here to prepare. Every shot's got to be worth something to you. Uh, something that I learned, uh, from my friend Jeff and, um, that particular moment, you noticed you, you had mentioned the, the energy, energy level. I was learning how to control my emotions and I, I would oftentimes allow the highs to get overly high because I love this as much as I do. And then when it was low, allowing it to be so low that I wasn't, I wasn't recovering. So being a part of that group, I started to learn the, the emotional um, longevity in, in bowling games. Like you, you've got to stretch this out. 
it, it cannot be a sprint. It's a marathon. You got to reserve some of that energy to the 10 frame of the last game if you need it. So where, where I was even not even raising my hands real high and, and my own claps. And normally I give it the, you know, the fist pump, which it's still inside of me, but to be able to be present and be in the moment, I needed to do some things to bring that down and get back to present. It's just another shot. It's just another shot. It's just another shot. They're all important. They're all there, but it's just another shot that, that allows you to control those emotions. And of course you, lucky enough to fall into some good ball reaction and shoot the 300 and be done. And then it was, okay, well, what, what did we learn about the pattern? We went right back to business. It wasn't about, you know, this or that. But there's one thing that John always told the group is if the, the only way that we're going to be able to win the event is if you get interviewed. If you're not getting an interview, you, you aren't in the hunt. So the, the, the goal is to every year bowl open championships is to get an interview. And I'm not talking to, oh, hey, Sean, Jeff, John, hey, you see you here back for another year bowling tournament. No, get the interview after you've had some success in the lanes. That's going to give you an opportunity to win the event. If you're not getting interviewed, you're not doing work. Well, you had your, your interview. You had your moment uh, that year. Uh, but then you got to be part of a huge moment. One Again, one of the most memorable for us. We've talked about this uh, with John Gaines, with John Janowitz uh, at the time. Uh, Aaron and I both were there. Uh, we call it the, the kind of the best day off ever for me. Uh, wouldn't have missed it for the world. Uh, but again, you were you were there. You were part of it, but you weren't on the team. You weren't in the spotlight this time. Uh, it was during the team event. It was the at the time the highest team total in tournament history. Uh, a twenty-year-old record was broken, uh, and John Janowitz was the one who got to deliver in that final moment. Three strikes in the tenth frame to beat the number by a single pin to take the lead. Uh, but again, as we talked about with both of those gentlemen, uh, that is a kind of a bittersweet moment because while it was an amazing performance, uh, the record was broken, the lead was taken, uh, it was still months and months away from finding out if it was enough to win the Eagle. If it's not, then it's kind of all not for nothing, but it's kind of not the same. Uh, but in that moment, in that day you played a role as you said 10 guys working together you were on the companion team for that uh so you got to be there you were front and center uh what you did that day certainly helped and played a part in their success uh and their eagle and their record at the time uh, tell us about that moment that day uh, and and what you did and and just how you feel being a part of that uh, even though overall your performance at the OC in 2013 uh wasn't your best I didn't even believe that. I, I mean, I knew I was there, like you're present, but you're like, what is happening right now? These guys are about to win this deal or, or we're going to take over the lead here. And it was business. It's business. It's business. You, this is what you prepare for. And you, you know, you hear about John Janowitz's and the, the singles of things that they do when we're all separated. You understand why they're great at what they do. It, you get to be a part of that. You get to be a part of their journey. Being in that moment, the pre-shot routine, the system, everything the same, clockwork, boom, every single time. John gets up on the lanes. My goodness. And every single one of them were pure. I don't know if you have video of that or not, but 
being in that set to you, the energy that you feel being a part of that, it's like we are all, all 10 of us are glued. Sure, you completely understand. One team can can win. And John always says that, look, one of us is going to win. One of us is not going to win this deal. And, and that's what it is. But the 10 of you are glued. The 10 of you are having success together to make that possible. And to see that man step up on the lanes and just give him the business like that, he is so mentally prepared for that. And he's always mentally prepared. When we show up, how he goes about his business, how he wakes up, his practice regimen, the, the muffins, right? The cupcakes, the, <laughs> his deal, man. It's how, it, how whether it's, it's John or whoever is preparing in that group to be a part of that. And then I go back to why we do work. And sometimes you only dwell on the bad times. Wait, wait a second here. Winners know that you're going to lose a little bit more than you're going to win. And the winners also know that you're going to hold on to those times that you're winning. So when you are down, you can go back and you can reflect. You can reflect on, wait, I do deserve to be here. Being a part of that group, my goodness. I'm not even sure what, you know, what word other than amazing. And to be there front and center. Like I felt like I was a spectator. And, and like I had a, a like a front, I had a, I had a floor seat to the championship, right? And then being able to embrace that when he came off the lanes, it's like, whoa, how did I get here? And and okay, I'm I'm gonna run with it. This is great. And that was epic, completely epic. You know the thing that John says after that because he he brought all of us down quickly. He says, well. <sighs> Guys, I just want to tell you in that deep, really calm, patient John Gaines voice, if we did it, it, it means that somebody else can do it. And I'm like, hey, man, wait a second. <laughs> you guys just shattered this record, right? Like, time out. Wait a second here. But I, I'm, I, I'm certain you can remember that, you know, when you're interviewing him and him saying, look, if we did it, the other guys can do it too. And that let me know that John is about being in the moment, be present. And he also said, look, I think we left a bunch out there, guys. But he also explained to us why the importance of lane play, the importance of team camaraderie, the importance of being open mentally and receiving information and truly understanding the lane dynamics, creating the right group, creating the right environment does nothing but breed success, 100%. And I take that knowledge and I bring it back home and I give it to our customers because it's, it's, what, it's what it takes. That was, was amazing. Those moment. guys, those guys did go on to win the Eagle. Yes, uh, they did. In 2013. Uh, yes, they did. The the record didn't didn't last very long. We came back in 2014. Scores yeah, were a little bit higher. Them up. You guys softened yeah. them up. Okay. No I'm kidding. <laughs> scores were a little bit higher, uh, but they they got it. They they did the job. Uh, yes, they did. And eventually, of course, John Gaines, John Genoa both in the USBC Hall of Fame now. Uh, and then coming back in 2014, they're the defending champions, uh, doing all the defending champion things. Uh, but it was you and your team that kind of took the spotlight in 2014. You made a run uh, at that number, which was 35-38 at the time. Uh, and, uh, again, scores a little bit elevated. Uh, winning score ended up being 37-20 in 2014. But uh, you guys were in, in the neighborhood of that 35-38, uh, ended up finishing fourth. So not only did you experience the winning part of it kind of from the sidelines, uh, but you made a run at it yourself to get a taste of being so close. And that's something that you did 
not only 2014, but 2015. So kind of a, a perennial contender, uh, but no doubt fueled by what you've learned, what you've seen, what you've experienced. Uh, tell us about that. And then you guys stepping up uh, along the way. It's not just one rock solid team and then a bunch of other guys there to help. I mean, this yeah. is 10 guys, two teams, four teams at one point, all with the ability uh, to get it done, whether it be as a team or individually. But uh, but you guys got to experience the rush, the excitement of making a run at it as well. Yeah, you know, the conversation with the guys, Matt Gilman, Aaron Lorenz, uh, John Trzynski, you know, myself, Jeff, uh, John, uh, and John, uh, Vernon Peterson, uh, Mitch Jabinski. A lot of players don't give Mitch Jabinski the credit that that man is due. He he is a killer, and mm -hmm. and 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 if he's got you down, he's going to throw sand in your eyes. And that is the group that I was a part of. And John always made it clear, both Johns, it's not one team. We are the better team, and you guys are the B team. Someone is going to get there out of this group. We're not sure how it's going to be. The lanes are going to develop how they're going to develop, and the pins are going to fall how they fall. But someone in this group, whether it be a singles event, Matt Gilman almost winning the singles title, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it be Vernon Peterson, John Janowitz taking over the all events, Norm Duke when he was a part of our group, right? When things were transitioning there a little bit, someone in this group is going to have some success, excuse me, some success, whether it be the one team, a doubles event, a singles event. So, you know, once we kind of got that out of the way, or they got it out of the way, so to speak, it was like you're prepared internally. You're you're building yourself internally. You have the intestinal fortitude. So going out on those other stages, it was it was really just about lane play. The nerves are there, but it's not nerves of fear. It's nerves of excitement. It's nerves of oh, we're back, baby. The band is back yet again, and let's let's mean business. And it, of course, it's it's all the emails and the communication that lead up to that. It's the, hey, find, get your lane guy to put this pattern in the machine. It's John Janowitz giving us information from Kegel saying, hey, I tried this on one, two, three with this ball. I tried urethane, didn't work or what have you. And then taking that information and, and bringing it back home. It, it didn't feel like it was, it was hard to let it go. It was still you know, difficult. You're in that moment, right? Dealing with that pressure. But you feel like you've got these guys behind you that support you. It's unconditional whether you strike or not, whether you're not your best or you are your best. It's all about business. And you started to see the numbers and, and the success that we, that we were having. And <laughs> it, it's amazing. Uh, you, you guys struck a lot in 2013 and 2014. Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, as if the announcements weren't long enough already, uh, you go and add Norm Duke to the group. Uh, that was the year John Gaines somehow ended up with his kneecap somewhere around his hip, yeah. uh, which that's not supposed to happen. Uh, so he wasn't able to bowl, but uh, Norm Duke joins the group. Announcements get longer, uh, and you guys uh, have another phenomenal year. Fourth and sixth, I believe it was in the team event. So you mentioned somebody was going to finish ahead of somebody else. Obviously, you guys almost got it done, uh, but fourth and sixth, and then top ten in team model events, uh, mm -hmm. things really starting to gel for the new Lodge Lanes. Um, that had to be awesome to be a part of. And then, of course, again, we had to shake things up again. Rules changed a little bit. Some people moved on to different things. Um, but uh, as you guys got progressively better and and you had more time with the group and more in the experience and uh, a, a taste of almost getting there, um, how did your 
perception of the Open Championships really changed at this point? How much more did you want to hold one of those Eagles when it was all over? I still want it. It's not It's not done. You know, obviously with, with COVID and, and different things that, that, that are taking place right now and the conversations we've had you know, with uh, John uh, Trzinski and, and Jeff and just our own personal lives, my own personal life changing. Um, I was so much driven by family and was my, it, my, my motivator and some things personally changing in my life, which I allowed that to manifest and take away from my, my own practice routine and what was required to win. And as the group kind of started to, to disperse a little bit, it's still there. We're just kind of in hibernating right now, but, but the group is still there. And when this deal resumes, we're still there. We're, we're still back at it. Um, let me just go back for a moment. I have a, a deal when Norm bowled with us and to, to watch this man, the tricks, the thumb hole adjustments, the things that you, of course you see on TV, maybe you get a glimpse of and watching this man in match play, but to be in the group and look at what he's doing. And I'm looking at his bowling shoes and they're the most hideous bowling shoes I've ever seen in my life. And I'm not sure he got them in a cobbler or whatever it was. I'm not even sure they sold those things. But to watch the adjustments and using tape, he's got tape going one direction. I mean, we're, we're, we're talking thumb hole tape on the bottom of his shoes and his heels. But I'm, I'm soaking this up. Like, listen, he's a Hall of Famer. He's a, a, a PBA Tour champion. He, right? This, this is one of the greatest players of all time that, that get to be in the same settee area. And I'm watching him let it go like it's China. Right? And the one thing that Norm says is, look, guys, I'm a rookie out here. You guys are – I'm a rookie out here. He's, I've been on tour for years. And just being able to be in his presence and watch what he was doing. I can remember us being at dinner and we were talking about ball reaction and John was really concerned with his bowling ball choice. And John is going to let you have it no matter what. John is that secure with himself, uh, it, his pedigree that he's not like conceded. It's about him, right? But it didn't matter if it's Norm. Norm's another teammate in the group in this huge table we got to dinner and he, Norm, I'm, I'm are you okay with your bowling balls? And generally when John asks that question, it's kind of like, did you bring the right stuff? Did you bring these bowling balls that have a hundred games on them? Are they really digging into the oil or are they skimming on top of the oil? And Norm says, yeah, you know, I'm good with my bowling balls, but I'm a little concerned about my shoes. If I can just get my slide right. And we're all like, what? We weren't expecting that. So just to be in that presence and some of these things that, that took place and, uh, was pretty, pretty neat, man. Being able to be a, a part of the different gentlemen that come across and, and also a lady. There's a, a, a young lady that came across our way who was aspiring to be on the PW, uh, BA, BA, uh, BA tour who, who can play in her own right. So, um, to be able to be a part of that as the group got really big there and bringing all the other, the younger guys in and to kind of be this mentor, so to speak, and giving that back, it's like, wait a second. They're listening to you. Give that to them. They want that knowledge. They're soaking it up. Give them what you felt. Give them what you learned. That's doing work to me. It's never about me. It's about the bigger picture. So that's a big deal, man. That uh, 2015 event, certainly memorable. Uh, on our end, uh, YouTube decided not to work on the live stream. And uh, we had to uh, post it afterwards, which was uh, – was definitely something we got uh we definitely heard a lot about nothing we could unfortunately do at the time uh, a lot of live tweeting as you guys are making uh your runs and 
but that that was a unique energy in the building for Norm being there. And you know, it was it, it just seemed like that was just like the perfect tidal wave of time. People, you know, were big fans. Just everyone flooded to the convention center to be part of that to watch Norm compete. And you know, just uh, you know, what was it like just knowing the fandom around him? Uh, in that moment, I, I think he had his own personal bodyguard there. Uh, like it, it was, uh, it was just hectic, crazy. How, how did you guys focus with all that extra, you know, buzz going around you? Uh, you know, the, the biggest thing is not even necessarily our focus. Some of the focus was taken away from us. I mean, we'd see some of the guys we'd seen at some of the events and whatnot, uh, but it actually relaxed us a little bit more. And some of us were sitting back like, how is he going to focus? Right. But we had to understand that, wait, that's Norm Duke. Like your other top professionals, they're built for this. They know going into a, a venue that that is what is it expected. It's no different than than watching our Nuggets go through the tunnel. Right. I'm mentioning our Nuggets because I, I got to I got to believe in my Nuggets. Right. Or or Michael Jordan. Like these guys are about business. And when they walk through the venue, yes, hey, they see these guys. Norm signing autographs. Completely personable. Never shied away from that one time. Bowlers would ask him questions. Hey, Norm, I saw you at an event 10 years ago and you helped me with this. Hey, good to see you again. And then back to business. He, he has a switch and he can turn that off and on. Some people can't deal with that. Some people can't deal with that level of success and then go on the lanes and have this huge crowd of people behind you and then still step up to the plate. He embraces that moment. And I, I'm watching him do those things and, and now understanding that it's just noise. And if it, there's people there, well, give them something to watch. Give them a show. Go let it go and be your best. And I watched Norm do that and pure every single shot, head down. And I, I, I took some of that and I, and I brought it in, right? And you, you want to add little pieces, a little spice here, a little here. So Norm really took some of the distraction off of us and we were more worried about him, but that's Norm. And I think he went on to shoot like 2100 or 2200 or something like that, that year, uh, which was his first year bowling or back bowling or whatever. And just, ah, 2200, we'll keep it moving, you know? And he still wasn't happy. He was happy, but he, you talk to him after the fact, after we're all getting our own rental cars or having conversations, he, he said, I left a lot out there. There's some shots that I can get back. I didn't throw up my best and understanding the work ethic and the little fine details is why I really appreciate what this sport is all about. You got to be a technician and he's absolutely a technician. Now, Sean, you mentioned Lodge Lanes group being a kind of a, a work in progress in hibernation right now. This is again, a, a group that goes back decades, uh, different variations. Uh, but in 2017, uh, you came to the event in a little different capacity. You mentioned life changing for you, for some of the team members, uh, for some of the rules and such. Uh, but we saw you in 2017 uh, after that great 2015 Norm Duke experience. You come back a uh, little different capacity, uh, and you were there uh, working with another group that you're actually very passionate about uh, and, and trying to help bridge for us a, a transition there between the TNBA and the USBC Open Championships. Uh, but you got to experience the OC in a different way, uh, and a meaningful way with uh, with those folks as well. Tell us about 2017 uh, and your your partnership or your work with TMBA. National Bowling Association is a very big part of my heart, big part of my life currently. Um, I have gratitude to be a part of the Denver Bowling Senate. I'm the Denver Bowling Senate president. And um, I often try to 
think about what's the new role. Sean Lee would have loved to go on the PBA tour full time. Guess what? That wasn't in the cards. Life didn't put that in front of you that way. I wanted to make that happen, but life didn't happen that way. These two beautiful children that came along and said, well, that's that's more important. And we became business owners, we went from bedrock bowling to back bowling. And a part of that locally TNBA has then been there. And they started getting these phone calls. One of them from Jeff Ustry saying, hey, be a part of these these hammer videos and all these different things. And, and hey, we are going to be a part of the TNBA nationally. We're going to sponsor this thing, Hammer. We'll start working these events and realizing no one was ever really helping these people. Yes, they, they're getting some help. They, uh, clearly, they have bowling balls drilled, but no one's really in the trenches helping these people get better. Not just these people, bowlers. Bowlers get better. Being a part of TNBA changed my life. It let me know even on a bigger scale, it wasn't about me. We're on that demo pair, not just demoing bowling balls, but you're, you're helping someone get better. This is their opportunity to come to an event, shine for themselves, their teammates, what, what have you. And then the event at, at Open Championships. Let's merge that myself, Kim, Les, like that. Dave Wadka, Jason Couch is a part of that, uh, a part of that deal. We needed more of that. That's my man right there. We have spent some long days and nights collaborating on where bowling is at and where it needs to be and why we always had these, these struggles, and these battles and, and bridging these gaps and these different venues together and being able to be a part of that. And I can remember the t-shirts that we were selling at the time. I still have it upstairs. It was the blue t-shirt and it had, you know, USBC on one side and TMBA on one side. Like it, that shouldn't even really be a thing. It's bowling. And we all need to stay united, especially in these times right now. That was extremely important to me to go from working that event to going and bowling open championships. It was like, oh, we're just here for TMBA. We're not here for USBCs. Are you kidding me? Wow. So yeah. the, the biggest prestigious tournaments in, in the world, you, you need to be bowling open championships. And I, and I certainly hope that we, 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 we did something to bring that to the, to the bowlers because that was special. Cool. And for a lot of folks, uh, there's a choice to be made at that point. You know, there's a, a national event for each every year. It happened to work out that both national tournaments were in Las Vegas in the same year. So of course, uh, we're able to to make that partnership continue. It's already a thing yep. at USBC uh, Affinity Partnership, but uh, to be able to to market it in such a way that hey, you don't have to choose this year. You can come to town for the TNB National Event, but while you're here, please come over and bowl in the Open Championships, or vice versa. If you're bowling in the Open Championships and you'd like to experience the TNB event, and you were the guy who helped make that happen, you helped introduce the open championships and even uh, for the folks who were signed up to come bowl the OC, maybe they didn't know, they didn't know what to expect or experience. You were in the venue, you were there to help make that a smooth transition to again, explain to them or help them understand why this event is so important so that maybe next year uh, they can do both. They can plan to do both. Uh, and hopefully uh, it's not a point of having to choose and, and perhaps uh, we'll be able to have that again, where they can both be in the same place and we can, continue to work together, but uh, that was very important for you. And, uh, and then all the things that you learned and what the event meant to you, uh, you were there in your free time after a long day at TNBA uh, to come over and, and help make those folks 
newcomers to the OC feel comfortable. Uh, we appreciate that. We see that every day in what you do. Folks have mentioned it in the chat this entire podcast, uh, mm -hmm. and that is just awesome, awesome stuff. And then to still be able to continue being a top competitor like you are uh, and through everything, through personal stuff, through 2020, uh, you had knee surgery this year, but still mm -hmm. doing work with the 10 back stuff. You're, you're out there winning events with Jeff Ussery, still keeping in touch. Uh, that group, that Lodge Lanes group, uh, you guys are still uh, in touch and, and doing work. Again, the hibernation may be coming to an end. Uh, tell us about that. Now, as we transition out of 2017, uh, you missed 2018 for the Open Championships, but uh, the band getting back together in 2019 and, and having a strong finish to 19 and then into 2020. Uh, tell us about where you are now with uh, all those things. Yeah, definitely much more mentally free. You know, just had to do some personal searching there for a little bit and uh, family, right? These two right there, that is definitely number one. And understand that you've got to take care of yourself before you can take care of others. Um, business. As you get bigger, it's going to be more difficult. But are you built for it? Are you built to to deal with the failures? Are you built to do it? I want to go back to that event for a moment. Um the partnership, something that's extremely important to me in, in being alongside Jeff and some of the others that were part of Ebony International. The, the, the greatest thing that I learned is the partnerships, the relationships. It's something that is a lost art. People don't honor relationships anymore. In our sport, we are not honoring enough relationships. We have too much of well, why didn't you do it like this? You put it together, but you should have done that. We need to understand that if you are in a position of power, if you are a pro shop owner, if you are a teacher, on not just a coach, if you are a teacher on the lanes and you're articulating information to your young junior bowlers and your, your collegiate players and your Team USA members, you are the ambassador as well. We need to contribute to the group. We shouldn't take from the group. You'll take so much from the group and the, the, you have nothing left. We have to contribute to the group and everyone's information is important. So relationships have always stuck with me. My great grandmother told me several years ago before she passed on, she says, Shawnee, be careful of toes you step on today. Maybe connected to the, you know, what you kiss tomorrow. And I've always lived by that. People understand that they're closest to you. Number one, if they're still in your life, they're supposed to be in your life. Just like you, Matt, you're still in my life. You're supposed to be in my life. Right. But if we don't secure those relationships and those partnerships, Chad Murphy. He did a great speech one year at, at, at the convention. These things resonate. If we don't take care of our relationships, our sport is just going to fizzle and go away. So we have to stop worrying about all the extra little stuff that we can't control and really focus on the relationships and the partnerships. And from there, we continue to morph this thing into whatever we want it to be. I, don't, I think it's unstoppable. It, it just goes and goes and goes. As far as TMBA goes, I love giving so much until I have nothing left to give, and then I'm going to give you a little bit more. The smile, the, the going to the event every week, being away from family for two weeks, and being a part of, Sean, I can't wait to tell you about my, I got my highest score ever. I, I did this. And then you see these people, Brandon Grant. I remember meeting Brandon for the first time. 
He's now bow tie bowler. He's doing some live streams, right? I can remember meeting Brandon Grant for the very first time, coming to a TMB event. I think the, 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 the young man had two bowling balls. They were demoing, demoing some bowling balls in the lanes. He might have had house shoes. Now he, no, he didn't have house shoes. He had a little something. And then you see what it's turned into. If I got to be a part of that, awesome. It's relationships, it's partnerships, and being able to sit back and watch bowlers. Inclusion is something else. And what Hammer allowed me to do was go and include other people, include them in what you've learned. And by giving them inclusion, they go back home and they work on these things that you write down. Hey, Sean says we should post our shot. Les says I need my pitches like this. Hey, Kim said, hey, we should try this, right? We all gave Robert Flunder we all gave a little bit of something to these human beings. It, when you stop including people, we stop having relationships and partnerships. Then it's like, well, what are we doing out here? You, you can't be on an island by yourself. We, we need togetherness. We need more of that. And I certainly hope that in the future, we have more of those events where things work out at the same time. And we have also more people being a part of TMBA events. We need more of that. We need to support each other, especially in these times right now. Well, we definitely appreciate the continued hard work and uh, and your ambassadorship in that regard. And, and we know there will be more in the future. Uh, and speaking of the future, um, you know, things are starting to open back up. We're back on the lanes again. Um, not a lot of bowling done in 2020. Uh, but uh, let's talk about, we talked a lot about what you do to help others. Uh, tell us about, uh, your 2020 on the lanes again we mentioned the knee surgery a big victory at the greater ozarks uh with jeff Ussery and and some of familiar names um so you're not only out there helping people but uh you're getting it done still too uh just tell us where you are competitively uh, as we wind down 2020 and look ahead towards 2021 yeah i've been putting off this knee pain you know us typical guys or just athletes in general uh, uh it's it's nothing rub some dirt on to get back in the game get, get to work right go take care of the customer and the, the knee pain had been there for a couple of years off and on. Of course, when you get loose and the body gets heated up a little bit, the pain would go away. And over the shutdown, uh, my, my kids and I would do more things outside, playing basketball and different things. And I, and I aggravated it somehow where the pain just wouldn't go away. And my daughter's like, well, dad, maybe you should go to the doctor. I'm like, okay, I think you're right. So we go into the doctor and uh, it was actually Mary Moore that kind of pulled the trigger on that. She says, look, let's go on to your benefits and, and get this thing going and help me schedule the appointment. Um, end up getting an MRI and show that some you know, complex tear of my meniscus and some torn cartilage. And well, I guess that's where the pain's coming from. So I had surgery on August 11th, uh, did a little rehab and still going through that. And two nights ago, bowled for the first time in six months. So it was neat to just be able to put my hand on a bowling ball. Previous to that, uh, got to be a part of this, this tradition of bowling the greater Ozarks. Now, when Jeff asked me to be a part of this group, it, it was a bunch of the guys that he bowled with at KU. He says, hey, this is not like open championships. It's just, you know, we're doing this thing. It's, it's really for fun. And uh, no, Jeff, that's not the mentality. We're, we're winners. And it's still business. You know, and Jeff and I, he's, he's now thriving with his business in Overland Park, Kansas at Total Bowling Gear and uh, doing his thing. And he's got family and whatnot and Susie. And so it's still bowling. It's still being prepared and, and meeting all the guys in the group and being a part of that. Um, it's still business. Being able to bowl in those venues, the coolest thing is walking into the singles and doubles house and looking at all the pictures that, that were on the wall. You know, Chris Barnes and 
uh, all the guys that have gone through that before they went on the PBA tour that have bowled that event. I mean, that's, you geek out over that. If you're a bowler and you appreciate this, you that's like, whoa, Michael Jordan played on this basketball court, right? These other guys, Tiger Woods played on this golf course or Phil Mickelson or whatever it is. And, and you really embrace and, and absorb that. So for me, it's like, okay, every shot's still worth something to you and let's go get it done. And so being able to be a part of that group um, was pretty cool. Uh, we kept sending these instant messages throughout the time. It, of course, the COVID happened and this entry slowed down and and all of a sudden, hey, guys, I think we won this deal. And I, a lot of people don't realize the Ozarks is a, is a very prestigious tournament. It's a, it's a big deal. And so winning that and being a, able to be a part of that kind of was like this uplifting moment as we're all in this COVID emotional state of mind. We're sitting at home like, what are we doing here? Is bowling going to resume? Is this it? So being able to get that news and just the group sharing that was like, wait, we're still here. We're still doing work. So it was, it was really neat. So back in the winter circle, the knee is fixed. You're good to go. Business is going well. Uh, you're ready to inspire folks. Aaron's inspired. He's ready to get back to the rest of the workday and, uh, and get at it. Uh, do work. Starts at home as well. You mentioned your kids quite a bit uh, over the, the broadcast. Uh, they bowl as well. So bowling in the blood. Uh, but also getting a chance to, to do some other things, some new activities, some fun stuff, a balance for you. I mean, you're a busy guy, uh, a lot of time taken to inspire people and, and go out and do what you do, but uh, still taking time for the youngins, uh, getting out there and letting them try some new things that aren't bowling. Uh, just catch us up on uh, on that aspect and, and the family side of life uh, as we get ready to say goodbye for today. For sure. My, uh, <laughs> my son kept asking me about these dirt bikes and like for about three months there and, and and like dirt bikes you just think it's typical 11 year old he sees something he thinks is cool and he he, he wants to give it a try and he kept asking me he kept asking me like, I, I think he wants to do this and so we started exploring it a little bit now my grandfather interesting enough had bought me a dirt bike when when i was in maybe sixth or seventh grade and uh i can remember being like overly tall on this thing but uh, my grandparents always provided my mother they always provided things for me as best as they could with, with very little. And um, so he kept asking me about it, kept asking me about it. So I, long story short, we pulled the trigger and bought these dirt bikes. And I'm like, what am I doing? And uh, it's great because I told my kids a long time ago, you, you don't have to bowl because dad bowls. But would I like them to bowl? A hundred percent. My daughter is all in. She says she wants to be a veterinarian or a professional bowl. And so my son's like, I want to, dad, can we get dirt bikes? And okay. And of course with COVID realizing that no one was making dirt bikes is you, you walk into this dealership and I'm, I'm asking questions. I'm asking some of our customers that ride dirt bikes and you know, what's the best thing to look out. And before you know, it, we bought dirt bikes. And so uh, I'm out there on a the track, you know, putzing around, not making a fool of myself. And, but my son is all in and, and it's something neat to do because he wants to do it. So it's really, it's his journey. But the same mental test is there. We recently did this little two-day camp, and he kept crashing going up the hill, and it's this loud sound of this two-stroke engine. And so we've really been talking about this mental part of commitment. And I think I'm starting to see him grow even more mentally, which is helping him gain more confidence. My children are very opposite. My son is extremely introverted. My daughter's very extroverted. And so managing that, perhaps being a parent, is your greatest feat. Right. And trying to understand that. And every day is something different. It's not going to be the same. So it's just neat to be on a journey with him doing something different. 
I go out there at the track and ride a couple of times with him. And then I put my bike away, and just watch him ride. Cause just, he's got, he's, he's got his GoPro in his helmet. He wants to come back home and look at his, look at how he rides. He's looking at some YouTube videos about it and whatnot. So it's just fun to be able to be a part of that. It's our customers that allowed me to do that. Number one, it's our customers that allowed me to, to do that for my son. So I, I appreciate them for that. All right. Well, Aaron, I knew what we were going to talk about today and, and I have a feeling you definitely learned some things uh, about Sean Lee that you, that you never could have expected. Um, any final thoughts, final questions, uh, any, any, anything to share before we, we head out? Well, this was uh, certainly a passionate conversation and uh, I, I can always get on board for some passionate bowling talk and Sean, you definitely delivered that. Uh, one of the big things, you know, you can learn about someone is, is how others speak of them. And uh, we've probably had more interaction in the chat uh, on YouTube, on Facebook, and just so many positive comments coming in just about what you mean to the bowling community. Uh, we could probably take another half hour going through all of them. So I'm just going to show this one from Ray White uh, from YouTube. Uh, Sean has been an important part of our family. I know we are not the only ones that feel what, feel that way. Thanks, Sean and the 10-back team. And, and there, there's plenty more on there. So please, uh, please go check those out afterwards. But uh, you know, just just the way folks have been speaking of you throughout the throughout the uh, podcast here is uh, you know very telling. We, we we knew that we've had our interactions. I I know you're a top notch guy, uh, but to just re all that reinforcement, uh, all the passion, the stories have just been a very very inspiring uh, now ninety three minutes of uh, of chat here. Uh, so thank you for that, Sean. That was. Uh, that's all. I, that's all I really. This have. this, this couldn't have came at a, at a at a better time in 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 my life. And you often question what you do and being prepared for the worst. I don't think anyone can com can compare for where the world is at uh, right now. Uh, so I appreciate this moment, uh, not necessarily to make it about me, but just about the bigger picture. And uh, hopefully, if I can give something to our bowlers and they can be inspired and go back and find their own way to do work, please please do it. Um, and, and let's continue growing together. Let's keep these partnerships, and these relationships where they need to be. All right. Thank Very you. well said. We, uh, we absolutely appreciate uh, all the insight today, uh, all the inspiration, all the hard work along the way, uh, and all the moments you've given us at the Open Championships. Folks tuning in today, thank you very much for being here on Bull TV for Inside the OC. A lot of great comments out there, a lot of love for Sean. Uh, we appreciate it. He appreciates it. Uh, on the fun, it doesn't have to stop here on Bowl TV tomorrow uh, and every Friday. It's the greatest seasons in professional women's bowling, so check that out. Uh, it's going to be Alita Sill coming up tomorrow, her 1984 season. On Monday, Aaron Smith and Jason Thomas will talk PBA League for the PWBA players. Uh, that'll be on the PWBA podcast. And then next week, we'll have two-time champion Steve Klumpkin joining us here on inside the OC. So looking forward to hearing some great stories from Steve had a 300 game back in 2018. So he still got it. I also mm -hmm. made a master TV show. Uh, so a lot of, a lot of cool stories I'm sure coming from Mr. Klumpkin looking forward to that. Uh, but that is going to do it for today's show. A lot of great stuff. If you missed any of it, go back and check it out. And if you have any questions for any of us, let us know. Uh, wow. Aaron, what a, what a day, Sean. Thank you so much mm -hmm. uh, folks. That's the news for now. Uh, do work. Do work, baby. Let's go.